Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. In our case, this is the Right on Track podcast where we talk all things Thomas the Tank Engine and Friends and Railway series. I am Parry. I am Connor. And I am Denim. And on this episode, we'll be talking about, uh, which will be the penultimate episode of season two, I should mention. We will be talking about three stories based on the exploits of Edward, the Blue Engine, roughly. They are The Diseasel, Wrong Road, and Edward's Exploit. They are all taken from the Reverend Audrey book, Mainline Engines. It was published in 1966. It is book number 20 in the Railway series. And we get introduced to three new characters. I know. It's like such a gift. Yeah, and it's all in the same story as well. I know. Which is more extraordinary. Which is the first episode that we're going to cover, which is The Diseasel. That indeed it is. Now, in this clip here, we are being introduced to... Well, not introduced. We have been introduced to... Bill and Ben, who are small tank engine twins. They're yellow. They work at the Sodor China Clay Mine. And, well, let's roll the clip. One morning, they arranged some trucks and went away for more. They returned to find them all gone. The twins were most surprised. Their drivers examined a patch of oil. That's a diesel, they said. It's a wattle, asked Bill. A diesel, I think, replied Ben. There's a notice about them in our shed. Coughs and sneezels spread diseasels. You had a cough in your smoke box yesterday. It's your fault the diseasel came. It isn't. It is. Stop arguing, you two, laughed their drivers. Let's go and rescue our trucks. Bill and Ben were horrified. But the diseasel will magic us away like the trucks. He won't magic us, replied their drivers. We'll more likely magic him. Oh, what a wonderful little clip there. One of my favourite things about it, and I encourage all listeners to go and check this out. That is such a brilliant way of introducing those characters because we get to see their cheeky side, yes. their teasing side. You know, they're kind of like children in they, a way. Well, they, they definitely they're, are. They're naughty little boys is what they are, but, you know, because there's this innocence to them, but there's also this devilish side in yes. them as well. I have a, such an appreciation for Bill and Ben, and I think they have some of the best moments in the show. Mm. Some of the best dialogue. One of my uh, favourite lines of dialogue in the classic series is from the episode Heroes when they come up to Gordon and he says, you should behave here on the main line now. And then Bill says, actually, Gordon, when we saw you, we thought this was the scrapyard. <laughs> oh, burn. Sick burn. But, yeah. uh, yes, one of my favourite things about this episode, which I encourage you guys to go and find yourself, is that... When Bill and Ben move away from their trucks, you can actually see a pair of hands pulling them back with fishing wire to move them away, which means that they really weren't radio-controlled in that scene. No. This is in the restored version, however, where I think in the original it's cropped ever so slightly, but in these uh, beautiful restored versions, the resolution is amazing, but you do see a lot of these little goofs and mistakes, which is uh, quite interesting in retrospect. Mm. Well, in this particular clip that we just shown, uh, we see that the trucks disappear and reappear, but in the very back of the shot, so up the top, you can see Bill and Ben who've sort of just reached the back of the tracks, and then when it cuts to the next shot, you see them moving forward again. Mm. So they haven't quite disappeared from shot. Yes. Mm. I do love that shot in the original version where you see... Um, and move away, and the trucks just go mm. with that little music cue. Yes. Yeah. But, uh, Parry, give us a basic rundown of the plot. So, basic rundown of the plot. As we just heard, the trucks have been magicked away by a diseasel, and so Bill and Ben go trundling down the Brendan branch line and eventually meet with the diesel at a shunting yard, and they decide to play a trick on him. They've had their nameplates and numbers removed, and they decide to... Uh, basically play with this diesel, pretend they're the same engine running back and forth alongside him and eventually the diesel goes, oh no, stop, you're making me giddy 
and Edward. Wait, there's two of you. Yes, exactly. And then Edward comes in, sizes up the situation, and says, "No, this, this is Boko. He's a friendly diesel. He's here to help on the branch line." And yes. Bill and Ben are like, "Oh." But there we go. What reconfuses really me and did as a child and still does to this day about this episode is how Bill and Ben don't understand the idea that when they put trucks somewhere that those trucks are for someone else that that someone else will take them. But I think what's different on this occasion is it's a diesel which has removed them. They see the patches of oil and then they say to themselves that's never happened before. You know, steam engines don't leave behind. Yeah, but, but then they believe that because a diesel's done it, he's magicked them away. <laughs> Which means diesel's are magical now. It does indeed. Diesel 10 attacking lady. There we are. Mm. So <laughs> this Magic like, Railroad is canon. Yeah, it, it's sowing the seeds for yes. the feature-length films to come. <laughs> but this episode, as we are introduced to three brand new characters, two within the first few seconds, in which we're introduced to the pair of twins, Bill and Ben, who work the soda China clay pits, and we immediately learn of their mischievous ways as they may be there, you know, waiting for a whole bunch of clay to drop in their trucks and they just move it out of the way and cause a big mess. Mm. And then they get a little bit of resolve for their cheekiness when they mm. meet Boko, mm. a diesel named for his wheelbasis, which is a Kobo basis. Yeah, so for those who aren't familiar with railway terminology, yeah. uh, old British diesels, they were referred to by their wheel alignment, which was Bobo or Coco. So Bobo meant that they had four running wheels on one end and four on the other. And uh, three. Three. No, no, Coco's three. Okay, so, you know, Bear, bear with me here, Connor. So, okay. So they had the two on one side and the two on the other, which is four on the one end. And then at the other end, they had the two on one side and two on the other. So that's another four. Are you with me here? I'm with you. Yeah, so, so there we are. Denon's with me. So it's kind of like, you know how in steam engines, yeah. we refer to them by 260 or 060 yep. or something like that. So diesels, it's just four, four or six, six or whatever. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. So, so when you say four, you mean four Total. I thought yes. I thought you meant like four long. No, no, not four on the one right. side. Yeah, no. yep, okay. Yep, yep that so, works. Now, <laughs> this has taken long to explain than I thought it would, but um, we got there in the end. Yes, but Boko is unique because he has a Kobo wheel arrangement, which means he has six wheels at the front and four wheels at the back. Yes, he was originally going to be called Kobo by Reverend Audrey, but he decided that Boko. Well, you know, it flowed better off the tongue. It really does. Mm, I think so too. It's it's a more appealing name too. So uh, Bill and Ben, they play a trick on Boko and we have a wonderful little sequence with a brilliant ditty. Mm. Only time we hear it as well. I know. And we see Bill and Ben rock up, you know, jumping around, their eyes dancing all over the place. It's a wonderful little montage, and it's by far the highlight of the episode as well as it being the climax. And it's probably one of the highlights of all of Thomas and Friends, I would argue. Really? Yeah. You reckon? I would. So this, for me, is the moment that stands out just about more than any other. That's okay. Well, why is that? I, I don't know. It's just... It could be the music. It it's could iconic. Be the, it could be it, the it fact... It definitely is. It could be the fact that it's sped up. It's just, you know, it's playful. It's... Funny. I just, yeah. I just and, and, think it's wonderful. And as you said, Denim, this is the only time we ever hear this music, which makes it even more unique and stand out more than anything else. Mm. One thing we haven't discussed, actually, is Bill and Ben's theme, because it's quite yes. jaunty. It's one of the best themes. It, it really, so. It's one of your favourites, isn't it? Yeah, I yeah. think uh, Terence's theme is top tier for me, but then mm. followed by that, it'll probably be Bill and Ben's theme. Yes. And this is also the second occurrence, or technically third, if we include Annie and Clarabelle, of twins in the series. Yeah. That it is. Now, I reckon that the first time we met Bill and Ben in Percy Takes a Plunge wasn't accidental. Really? Yeah. I believe that Bill and Ben have already been on the island of Soda. I reckon Bill and Ben have already been on the island of Sodor, maybe even prior to them, but we just haven't seen them because um, they're not necessarily owned by the Fat Controller at this point Correct. or the Northwestern Railway. Yep. Um, but they're just their own 
they're just their own little offshoot um, from Edward's branch line. No, I 100% agree with you there because in the books, and I believe it's hinted at in the series, they are actually owned by the Solar China Clay Company, hence yes. why they have SCC written on their boilers. Mm. Yes, and in Percy Takes the Plunge, it was originally planned to have Donald and Douglas take those roles, and but since that they'd arrived from Scotland, they just decided to choose a character that didn't arrive from anywhere, not on Sodor. So I really do agree with the idea of Bill and Ben being there for a long, long time beforehand. And Audrey knows what kinds of trouble they got up to. Indeed, indeed. I think there's a lot to really appreciate about these characters. And it's very... It could have been very easy to just do a repeat of what they did with Donald and Douglas. Like, they took off the nameplates, they took off the numbers, and they did that. But they did that in a very different way and for a very different reason as well. In the circumstance for Donald and Douglas um, in The Missing Coach, um, they had to be uh, pretending to be one another. Uh, whereas in The Diseasel, uh, they're doing it to play a prank on another engine. Indeed they are. We haven't really talked... Well, we have talked about Boko, but yes. I think it's really interesting how they introduce both the sets of twins and Boko to the railway in this one story, and we only get the slightest hint of Boko's character. Mm. So we see when he's introduced to the twins, he's got a frown on his face. He's like, what are you doing here? These are my trucks. Go away. And then once it's revealed that they are twins, he has a laugh. He's like, oh, I might have known it. Yeah. yeah. And then Edward comes in and he's sort of like, Bill and Ben, you shouldn't do that. And Boko's like, oh, come on. It's just a joke, you know. So it's sort of... He has that easygoing big brother vibe about him. He I, does. I, I get more of a dad vibe from him. Okay. Looking mm. after a pair of troublesome twins. like Or oh, an uncle, even. Yeah. Great certainly. uncle. <laughs> <laughs> Twice removed. He's just uh, a great uncle. <laughs> I know. And actually, like, one thing, this is probably really obvious to everyone, but the title Diesel is portmanteau of disease and diesel. Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to put more bad names for diesels, even though they are literally more superior class at the time. It's funny, the railway that I do work on, we uh, nickname diesels, diseasels, when we're uh, <laughs> doing shunting, like someone will say, oh, we're using the diesel to do the morning shunt. Or... That's brilliant. <laughs> and it's also worth noting that Boko's basis, which is a Metropolitan Vickers Type 2 or yes. something like uh, that. They quote it in the episode. They do yes. quote it directly. And it's the only time that it's mentioned or uh, Engines class has ever been mentioned by them until Journey Beyond Sodor by That's Merlin. Mm. And what's interesting about this engine is that it was notorious for being really unreliable, Mm. so having lots of mechanical failures. In fact, in Britain at the moment, there's only one working example of a a Metropolitan Vickers Type 2. That's amazing. I Mm. didn't realise that. Mm. Because it looked like a strong engine. Yeah, it does look like a strong engine, but because they weren't up to the task, most of them were scrapped. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, I know, right? Well, Boko's... Boko himself's probably gone as well. Hmm. And in the the Railway series canon, shall we say, it's been revealed that the Fat Controller found a fix for all of uh, the Diesel's problems, and that's why Boko continues operating on his railway. There you go. Hmm. Yeah, the Fat Controller secretly wants the plans for himself. That's why (laughs) none of the others have been around. (laughs) (laughs) But um, maybe he just took the parts from the other diesels that worked, and oh, that's what's no. called. <laughs> he didn't godridge them, did he? Oh, that's <laughs> sad. That's dark. He went there. <laughs> but um, this episode, it's really creative. We get some brilliant close-up shots, such as Bill and Ben's nameplates. Mm-hmm. Of course, we introduced the three new characters. We get all of their themes and a real good contrast of them because you have the jovial Bill and Ben one, then when. Boko says his name, have a da-da-da-da. Yes. It's probably it, the shortest theme ever. Yeah. Mm. And and then when they're talking about, oh, you need to go and get them back from the diesel, there's a da. <laughs> there's a whole bunch of little ditties that really bring this episode to life. Mm. Oh, we should mention one more thing about Boko. Because of, shall we say, cost-cutting mm. uh, in the Thomas and Friends back lot, uh, Boko shares the same face masks as Daisy. He does, uh, only, yeah. only that Daisy has obviously eyelashes and eyeshadow they and just lipstick. scrubbed off, really, the yeah. makeup. 
Quickly, scrub. (laughs) (laughs) One, don't call me a scrub ever again. (laughs) But, um, yeah, ratings for this episode, guys. I'm going to give it a 10. A 10? Seriously, this is one of my favourites. I absolutely love it. And it's just for that scene alone with the twins going back and forth. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I'm close to that. I reckon a nine. A nine, mm. yeah. You, you see, I really agree with all the points. However, I'm going to give it a 7.5. And what's really holding me back is that I feel that a lot of my, you know, lovely score for it, um, if I were to raise it any higher, it would just be purely because of how much I loved it as a child mm. and the joy it brought me back then. Um, however, I'm, you know, trying to keep it as, you know, they got three brand new characters for one episode. We saw brand new sets of um, the Fafarqua. You're doing it again. It's oh, not dude. even the Farqua quarry of the Sodor China clay pits. So we, we see brand new sets, brand new themes. It's a lot of effort for what is just a four minute and 30 second episode and mm. it works really well so it's very it educational too they tell us what boko is we're of course told what bill and ben are and it also tells us why we need china clay yes mm. which, which would it, go over a lot of people's heads it, it would mm. i didn't even know what china clay was before yes yeah, <laughs> being here. introduced to bill and ben yeah mm. anyways um What's the next episode that we're going to be covering? Well, the next episode we are going to be covering, Connor, is Edward's exploit. No, sorry, Wrong Road. So it's really tricky because this is very much an Edward-centric episode. Yes. And there is an exploit of sorts here, but it's more pertaining to Gordon. Anyhow, here's a clip in which Edward and Gordon are conversing with each other. It's not fair, grumbled Gordon. What isn't fair, asked Edward. Letting branch line diesels pull main line trains. Never mind, Gordon. I'm sure Boko will let you pull his truck sometime. Gordon spluttered. I won't pull Boko's dirty trucks. I won't run on branch lines. Why not? Would be a nice change. The fat controller would never approve, huffed Gordon. Branch lines are vulgar. Gordon puffed away. Edward chuckled and followed him to the station. What's really interesting about that shot that we just saw is I have seen very little of this episode growing up, but that shot of Edward and Gordon is so iconic because they use that and a shot from Thomas Comes to Breakfast um, in the ABC uh, Kids uh, video commercial at the beginning of every uh, VHS. Yeah, so for those who don't know what we're talking about, the ABC is the Australian Broadcasting Corporation and that's really our main source of children's programming here in Australia. And at the beginning of all the VHSs they'd release, they'd of course do this a little promo or advertisement or trailer of the other products they sell. And in that, you've got things like Thomas the Tank Engine and Babar and Fireman Sam. Postman Pad. Postman Pad as well. So it would be all these little programs mushed into this 30-second grab, which would always play before your ABC for Kids video. Mm. Yes. And that, yeah, that one clip is what plays on it. But this is where it comes from. Wrong road. And... This is one of those episodes I rarely ever saw growing up. It was only as I got older and I collected the second series on DVD that I was able to see it in full. What's really interesting, I guess, about my reception context, if you don't know what reception context it's I, I guess, the way you see something for the first time and that kind of sticks with you whenever you see it again. Um, the first time I saw this episode was with the George Carlin narration, and the reason to that is uh, when I was collecting Wooden Railway when I was younger, um, the James Goes Buzz Buzz Wooden Railway set came with a VHS. Oh. And um, it had a mixture of episodes from seasons three and two out of order. The, for some reason, the correlation of episodes, we're discussing this off air, the correlation of episodes on the VHS is, I don't know why, if, if they purposely mix them up like that, but... It, it feels a little strange, but um, anyway, Wrong, Wo- Wrong Road was uh, one of these stories, and 
now whenever I watch it, listening to Ringo narrate the story, I always hear George Carlin's voice at the back of my head with his expressionisms of like how he puts emphasis into Gordon's voice huh. at that moment. That's interesting. Yeah. Now, yes, uh, this episode, essentially what happens is Gordon's complaining about how Boko, since he's arrived, has started to take mainline trains and it's annoying him. Good to have another mention of Boko, another very railway series-esque. In fact, that little clip that we played for you there, uh, when you look at it, has got a very railway series background with the coal hopper nearby in the factory. Uh, then uh, Edward and Gordon both need to take trains. And what happens is Gordon, Gordon leaves earlier before Edward every night, except this time a lady with a green floppy hat uh, sets Gordon off too early, which means that he's then running late, which means Edward goes before Gordon, which means that Edward goes down the wrong line or the wrong road in railway terms, and Gordon goes down the branch line. And that means that the entire climax of this episode can be blamed on one person. And one person only. The The Signalman. Thanks, guys. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I agree. I've never understood how this mistake works. Okay, so... uh, Stick with me here, guys. Okay, sticking with you. Because Gordon is supposed to go down the main line, right? Yes. But instead, it's Edward who's sent down the main line and Gordon who's sent down the branch line. Wouldn't the passengers be really annoyed? Oh, yeah. They'd They'd be pissed off. (laughs) They would absolutely be pissed off, as you would say, Denim. But here's the thing. When we see what happens the next day, Gordon is at Brendam Station. He's at the docks. And he meets with Bill and Ben, which would mean that rather than take his passengers back to where they're supposed to go, he he just stays there. And that, Almost in shame, really. I know, and that means that someone has needed... To, either those coaches are in a siding somewhere and everyone's complaining, but we see, I, I believe it's mentioned that this is like the last train of the night or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's what got me wondering, like, what is the time of the evening uh, when this happens? And, like, it's very dark for a lot of this episode, so I'm guessing, and like... What else is interesting is there's a lot of people on the platform, so we can only guess that it's not 10 or 11 o'clock at night. It must yep. be, like, 7 or 8 in the evening. Yep, definitely. Because it gets dark very early in the Northern Hemisphere, particularly around the UK part of the world. Mm. Mm. So that means that all of these passengers, assuming that they left at Brendam, have been trapped all the way at the most southern point of Sodor whilst Edward has gone travelling off over to the most... Eastern part. Eastern part Mm. of Sodor... And there are no more trains running, which means some of them aren't able to get home, some of them aren't able to, you know, make meetings. Yeah, the logistics of this episode don't make sense. I mean, fair enough if Edward has to take the passengers along the main line and Gordon mm. the branch line, but to suggest that... The aftermath of it. Yeah, to suggest that, you know, they were accidentally sent down the wrong line thinking it was one engine and not the other, that's what throws me. I just think a little bit of refinements in the script here would have alleviated this problem altogether and we wouldn't even be having this conversation. Having said that, there is a very nice continuity nod. When Edward goes over the viaduct, it is still being uh, repaired. It is too. And he is moving very slowly, which does still hint at the fact that they need to move slowly one at a time. But talking about shots, when they start explaining the two different trains of Edward and Gordon at Knapford Station. Mm. You get a beautiful shot from inside the station. It's one of my favourites in the whole series. Yes. We have all the people along the platform. You have all the coaches lined up, and it's just moving, looking at all the people. In the restored version, there's wonderful music with it. And I think you can even see the glow of the fireboxes as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you've got all the lights, which... Fun fact, by the way, uh, the lamps on Gordon and Edward are actually Christmas lights, much like how they had Christmas lights in Mrs. Kindly's Christmas. But, Mm -hmm. yes, and it's just a wonderfully executed shot, definitely a standout of this episode. Mm. And I think the reason why I got the LEDs, too, is to maintain the illusion of, you know how you see some shots in photography, how the light, it's sort of 
reaches beyond yes. yeah the point the source I guess so I think that's what they were trying to go for yeah by putting the Christmas lights on there hmm. yeah I love the whole atmosphere of Abbott Station here and I reckon it hasn't looked better I reckon um, having the two engines lined up and seeing the amount of people on that platform as well hmm. I guess elevates how busy of a station it is mm. indeed and we do get to see another example of that i think in the next episode as well mm. but uh yeah it's something you really haven't seen prior to this i mean you've got hints of it in the first season but, but it's subtle hints. The busiest yeah. busiest we see it anyway gordon is seen at brendam the next morning where two cheeky subtle tank overall twins wall up to him and go oh, are you gordon i've been thinking about you all day Gordon and well, well actually at first they pretend that you he's know, Gordon, a piece of scrap but well, well, what happens is Gordon is just sitting there he pretends that he hasn't noticed or heard the twins and they're having this cheeky little discussion about hold on are you sure that's Gordon it can't be Gordon he's not allowed down branch lines and besides he thinks they're vulgar so mm. <laughs> and I love that they know that as well yes yeah. and then they even go oh mate maybe we should push it into the sea mm. and that's when oh wait please oh, no, I am Gordon and then Boko comes along yes who should come to the rescue but Boko grand uncle oh. I love that moment in that scene where Bill or Ben drop that line and you just see this absolutely <laughs> shocked face on Gordon. And that's where the first time where we see his totally aghast open mouth face yeah. as yes, well. Yes, with his eyes nearly popping out. And we've also got uh, his whistle as well Yeah, <laughs> as the twins say that. I love that uh, it's a little bit. It's such a well executed scene. Mm. And uh, seeing Boko and uh, Gordon uh, and gel the, for the first time. And there's the majestic fanfare as Boko rolls yeah. into the station <laughs> as well. It's almost like a knight in shining armor. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Boko. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we kneel before you, our and, God and, and Saviour. We're not worthy. <laughs> it, and it's a really nice way to tie up the idea of Gordon disliking Boko. Mm. And Diesel's in general because he's he had bad experiences. Because Boko has actually been really nice, has saved his life, mm. even though it really hasn't, but no one will tell Gordon that. Mm. <laughs> um, and I feel it's a nice little bow uh, to this story. However, as with most things, the story of Wrong Road is based on a true event. They occurred in 1911... Uh, same year when Thomas was built, actually. There you go. Um, in Sittingbourne, Kent, where a stopping train, an express train, went down the wrong lines. So it was based on true stuff. Mm. So well, like most Reverend Audrey stories. Certainly. Mm. I, I guess it's interesting. You wonder, like, we, we say it, it could be better executed in the script. I wonder how much it would sway or differ from the events that happen. Well, there is this thing called artistic license, which you can employ. I mean, you don't have to do everything necessarily... By the book. By the book, mm. 100% accurately. Yeah. Mm. If that was the case, this would be uh, frozen images of illustrations of whatever <laughs> to keep it by the book. Mm. Yes. But ratings, guys. Ooh. Because I'm leaning towards a nine right now. Okay. It okay. has got... Such great little scenes, such as Edward going over the viaduct, the Knapford shot. You have all the lights. And this is probably, I would argue, probably the best night shots that we get out of entirety of the series so mm. far, rivaled only by that of Night Train and a lot later series. Mm, yeah, so visually it is certainly a very splendid episode, but I just can't get over the logic of how a mainline engine can be sent down the branch line and... They're, they're both blue tender engines. They are. I get that. But the fact that that would happen and there would be no consequences for anybody involved, well, it just... Oh, we don't know the that there's been no consequences. Yeah, but I, in the end, I do like how Boko and Gordon sort of developed this friendship and how yep. cheeky Bill and Ben are. So it's got that going for it. So I would stick with an eight. An eight? Mm-hmm. Denim. Yeah, look, I, I think I agree with Parry. Visually, there's a lot to enjoy. It has some of the greatest shots in the series uh, with the whole nighttime aesthetic. But again, I think if this had one more script edit, it would be just on point. So I'm going to give it a seven. 
Okay, fantastic. So sort of like we've worked our way down the ladder yeah, here. We've got yeah, nine yeah. with Connor, eight with me, seven with Denim. That's ah, all good. Go. If we had a fourth person, they'd probably say six, I imagine. The, j- that, just... That's why there's only three of us. <laughs> <laughs> but now we're going to be moving on to our lovely little musical showcase. As we often do on the Rise and Track podcast, you might remember a few weeks ago when uh, Connor and I were left alone in the studios, I decided to choose a song done by the Tugster Intensifiers, which was a mashup of the Super Mario Land overworld theme yes. and the Thomas the Tank Engine theme. Well, we've got something similar here. This is from Sudrian Afro, and it's Bertie's theme mixed with the Overworld theme from Super Mario Brothers 2. Yes, so a, a slightly different Overworld theme. I like the idea that there's almost a little bit of Mario-Thomas crossover music rivalry going on here. That indeed there is. And I think Mario Bros. 2 was released the same year as the second season of Thomas the Tank Engine. Oh, was Friends. it really? Oh. I believe so. I might have my years slightly off, but they were roughly the same time. Yeah. Yeah, anyhow, let's play the clip. <laughs> Sudrin Afro's uh, Bertie theme mashed up with the Super Mario World 2 Overworld no, no, theme. No, Super Mario Brothers 2. Brothers 2 mm. Overworld theme. There are way too many Marios, way too many Thomas. And I'd just like to point out there, that was actually from the American release of Super Mario Brothers 2, which yes. was a reskin of Doggy Doggy Panic, because... <laughs> Nintendo of America believed that the Japanese version of Super Mario Bros. 2 was too difficult for American audiences. <laughs> so good. Anyways. I love that. It is a great game, though. Seriously, if you've got the time, definitely play yep, it. definitely. But right now, we are moving on to the final review of today's episode, which is the relatively well-loved Edward's Exploit. Bertie the bus was giving some visitors a tour of the island of Sodor. It was their last afternoon, and Edward was preparing to take them to meet Bill and Ben. He found it hard to start the heavy train. Did you see him straining? asked Henry. Positively painful, remarked James. Just pathetic, grunted Gordon. He should give up and be preserved before it's too late. Shut up, burst out Duck. You're all jealous. Edward's better than any of you. You're right, Duck, said Boko. Edward's old, but he'll surprise us all. I've done it, we're off! I've done it, we're off! Said Edward as he finally puffed out of the station. Oh... Are we still on this conflict? I mean, really? Uh, we I mean, we know that Edward's old. I mean, come on. Surely this has been resolved already. It'll stick it, around for a lot of years. Together. It, it, I can't believe listen, it has. Okay. Oh. Edward, he's got blue wheels. He's a tender engine. They do shunt. James has got black wheels. He's just in denial about it. <laughs> Duck and Boko are Edward's only real friends. Percy and Thomas look up to Edward and James Henry and Gordon are just jerks. Edward the Blue Engine and friends. 
Yep. That's word. that. That's really what the series should be all about. But and like yeah. he was the first created character. Yes. I mean, I love the way that Duck and Boko stand up for Edward. Mm. Um, also, interesting fact: this is the second time Duck has said "shut up" this season. Yes. So, so what a potty mouth! And it's also <laughs> the third and final time we would hear the phrase in the TV series until uh, it's replaced a "be quiet," which yes. doesn't have the same effect. But no. I think it does. Uh, I, I prefer it when people say "be quiet." But yeah. Uh, mm. Also on the note of last time, it's also the last time we ever see the Orange Branch Line coaches apart from oh, Annie and Clarabelle. Really? No. Yes, they'd, so be nice. re- they'd be replaced by a sort of maroon coloured coach in the seasons yeah. to come. They were good too. I like them. But they, they were in series two though, weren't they? They they did actually. They did make an appearance in a couple of episodes. Yeah. But, so they're around. Uh, yeah, the last of the Orange Branch Line coaches... I, I, I like to think that um, they were already beginning to be scrapped, apart from Annie and Clarabelle, of course. Mm-hmm. And what happened, because Edward is taking a whole bunch of enthusiasts out, they decide to take out these old, now heritage and soon-to-be-retired coaches as a bit of a last hurrah for them. Yeah, I like that idea. Like my head cannon. Head cannon. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll add that to my head cannon. Okay. I also think it's... um. Really lovely seeing Napford Station so full like that with all mm. the engines. Like we see it in the CGI series so often, but with the model series, it do- definitely does add something. Also, something really rare: we see all six platforms of Napford taken up by trains. Yeah, yes, mm. each of them have got something behind them. And what I find really interesting um, is how they actually have Edward struggle. Which is really true with old engines. Of course, Edward was built during the mid to late 1800s. He's definitely the oldest out of all of the Fat Controller's engines, in Series 2 at least. And it would make sense if he were to start actually failing and moving slower and becoming weaker. But he was supposed to be repaired, Connor. But he will be oh, again and again and again, and he just needs there, regular maintenance. There, there is actually in one of the like fun fact file books, uh, there's a quote that says Edward um, has been repaired so many times that there isn't any of the original Edward left. Oh wow, he's a, he's literally a changed engine. That is yes. dark. But what, what I because for those that really don't understand the implication of this, there's an interesting paradox where you have got a boat made of a hundred pieces of wood. Every day you replace one piece of wood with a new one. Then at the end of a hundred days, using all the old pieces of wood, you build another boat. Which is the older boat? The one made, the one that was made first, but has been replaced and uses the most new wood, or the one that uses the old wood that was the original boat, but has just been made. Mm. I'm just going to leave that question open. Exactly, it's going to be rhetorical. But it's there's a similar theme because I've been told that particularly when you're growing up into ch- through childhood and adolescence, your cells. Uh, replenish and replace themselves. Yes, about six years. Yeah, five to six years. So the person you are now is completely different to the person you were six years ago. I'm not half the man I used to be. Exactly. I think that's probably quite a good thing in my case. <laughs> Why, do you, would you care to elaborate on that? Or is it inappropriate for a family podcast? <laughs> that's for another podcast. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Tune in to Naughty Rude on Sunday nights. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. I'll act as the voice of reason between these two squabbling children. Uh, With this episode, um, there are enthusiasts that go to the quarry where Bill and Ben work and they have a lovely time moving around in all of the brake vans at the quarry, which is really um, realistic to most excursions where sometimes entire trains will be just made out of brake fans because it works well. But, but what puzzles me, though, is that Bill and Ben are taking two brake fans to the China Clay Pits and Edward's got three coaches. You cannot fit three coaches worth of passengers into two brake fans. I should know. I've been in a brake van. True, but we can say that some may be having a tour of the quarry at the time and they're just sort of changing it round. Maybe only two carriages were used and one was used for other purposes. Yeah, like what, for instance? Luggage. 
Oh, that, okay, yeah. yeah. You got me there. <laughs> I love yeah. that bl- luggage. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Anyways, but the climax of this episode. Mm, yeah, so we've been taken on a tour of the island, and now Edward has to get the passengers home so that they can get their train back to the mainland. And we've already established at the start of this episode and in the clip we played that he is quite weak as of the moment. All the engines were teasing him. Did, did you see how he struggled? Hmm. And as he's on his way home, what happens is there is a massive storm hmm. and he's struggling through the wind and the rain. and Which we don't really see a lot of. We don't see a lot yeah. of. I, I mean, we see in later seasons, for example, we've got the spray coming over the engine's faces. Yep. We actually see the trees blowing in the background. But in this one, we're just... And even the sky, it's still got the blue and the fluffy white it's clouds just, just in there. It's just a little bit greyer. So you've got to use your imagination, really. Yes, you but the, the music really sells. The... It does, and it's... Yeah, it Edward, does a really good job of it. It's Edward's theme in the minor key, I believe, yeah. that they're playing. Hmm. Definitely. Anyway, but the like largest climax of this episode is that one of Edward's coupling rods breaks off. And that means that he hasn't got as much traction as these coupling rods are used to drive the engines. That way they've got more power, so that way they're able to pull more stuff a lot easier. Yeah, so for those who aren't aware, the coupling rods are what connect the driving wheels together. Yes. They can operate on their own, but it makes things extremely difficult. What's really interesting is, in the book series version, is that one of the coupling rods like rips through one of... Edward's Hemispheres. Yes. I really recommend everyone to look at it because this is that's the key point that I feel is missing from this episode. Um, Recently released, actually, I've been a whole bunch of face masks of Edward, and one of them is actually one that was made specifically for this episode, and it's like a scrunched-up, pained face of Edward, uh, which copies the illustration from... Uh, the railway series book, which is yeah, mainline engines. Yes, mm. there we and go. Um, in the illustration, you see the coupling rod has ricocheted and torn through Edward. When I originally saw it, I thought there was just some distortion in the image, but no, Edward's entire frame has been bent and buckled and torn apart. Mm. So he's in immense pain, and I feel that this episode really does lay it. Lack, lack, I'm turning American. <laughs> Readers lack that intensity of the and drama of that climax there. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Having said that, though, there is this really nice build-up, which I like. Mm, definitely, with the music, and as you said, it's played in the minor key of Edward. Mm. Um, and eventually Edward makes it to the station. All the enthusiasts catch their train home, and they praise him a railway hero. Well, here's the interesting thing, because it mentions the pack controller pointing angrily to the clock, and then the passengers all get out of the train and cheer him wildly. So we often hear stories about the passengers on Sodor Railways, you know, going, oh, how dare we be late, or, you know, all that kind of thing. But on this one, you see that they're really grateful and thankful. It's almost as though they've been made aware of the situation. Now, you see, there's a mainland passengers that we're talking about, oh. sodium passengers. Oh, true. <laughs> uh, is this, are they like the kind of people who applaud every time a plane lands? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they are exactly those Clap people. Clap at the end of a movie. Mm. Oh, no, there's nothing wrong with that. There, there, isn't, there is nothing wrong. I, I think that's very civil, but when you're applauding an airline <laughs> flight, I mean, you, you know... You, you should. That's what should happen. You should be landing, and it's not like the pilots can hear you all the way from what up there in the cockpit. Uh, wizardry of <laughs> technology and engineering we have. <laughs> but uh, another key thing to add is these are railway enthusiasts mm. mostly. So chances are, if they one of them just looks out the window, they would see a coupling on the ground, understand what's happened, and go. Ooh. Yeah, and, and, and pass the word down. So they'd really understand what the issue is. And if they were on him at the start, which they would have been, they would have known how he was struggling, how he's struggling already, coupling rods gone. It, it's now, just a bad day for Edward. Yeah, the two of you mentioned that the passengers were railway enthusiasts. How do we know that? It mentions how Bertie's taking enthusiasts round, mm. and I'm assuming... On a tour. Yeah, mm. on a tour. And I'm assuming it's since 
um, Edward pulled the train to the clay pits of all places, mm. and then they had trains of brake fans move them just round the yard. Mm. Uh, it's most likely railway, especially because that's where a whole bunch of railway enthusiast trains are nowadays, based on just brake fans being towed and moved along. Mm. Okay. It's actually one of my, like, at the moment, it's one of my favourite things to do with my Bill and Ben models is have a brake van at the end of each of them and have them run along side by side around my layout. (laughs) Do you have them drag racing each other? Like, do you turn up one so that it's faster than the other and watch them? You know what I really like, actually? Mm. Making them go, like, really nice and slow and you can only just hear the motor, but you can see their little pistons just turn slowly as they go around. Oh, my ovaries. <laughs> I, I tell you what, uh, reminder, um, as we mentioned last episode, um, that was being recorded late at night. This is being recorded just after it. And mm. the same will happen with the next episode. Mm. Uh, so this is a really late night recording session for all of us. So uh, welcome to the late night edition of Right on Track. Mm. Anyway, you, you can open up our chat lines anytime. <laughs> we are so sorry, everyone. So sorry. This is late night banter with Right on Track. Mm. Um, but yes, this episode. So we mentioned it hasn't got the best special effects. Mm. The music is really good. Mm. It isn't that entirely creative. Mm. Um, it hasn't actually got that much dialogue between characters. No, I mean, a lot of the episode is just B-roll, really, of the engines moving. And mm. In fact, the opening shots we see there of Bertie going through the countryside is leftover footage that we've seen from previous episodes. Exactly. Thomas and Bertie. Mm-hmm. Bertie's chase. Yep. It's all good. Um, we don't even see Bertie's face. No, mm, no, I don't believe we true. do. Yeah, we we just see the back of him just running away. We only know by narration that it's Bertie. It, I I tell I would have loved the idea if it was one of the other buses that have been seen in the depot. Yeah, exactly. Because if we remember back to Thomas and Bertie, for those who've been watching and following along with us, there's a second bus. Yes. In that depot, and it's sort of hinted at that Bertie has, is one of many mm. buses operating on Sodor. I like that. I wish mm. we saw more of that in Series 1 and 2. Ha- mm. Having more of the same. Like, not necessarily even just being twins, but mm. actually just being same colour, similar look. Heck, well, uh, even in the Season 3 episode, Bulgy, Oliver makes mention of Bulgy's friend. Yeah, and I believe we even have a quick look at one of his friends in a passing shot. I'm not entirely mm. sure, but I'm pretty sure there is another... There's a bus in the background. Yeah, so there are tons of buses. It's just we are only ever introduced to two, and that's painful. But ratings for this episode, guys. Ratings. I am keen to give it a seven based on everything we've discussed. So it's not the most visually enticing episode, I feel, but it's got the music in there, and it's Edward. We, it, we love Edward. Yeah, we love we Edward. Do. Denim? Look... I agree. I, I I think there's a lot to really enjoy about the story, and I think it really closes the three episode arc quite nicely, which I think is rare for this season. Mm. Um, we had it in the last uh, three episodes, but that I guess uh, fluidity isn't very common here. But I do like that. Um, the bigger engines kind of get put back in their place uh, by Duck and Boko at the end of the story. Um, but there are some lovely shots. Some of my favourite shots are in the quarry sequence. Um, but I do love the scene where um, he starts pulling off again slowly and the first coach helps the second and the second helps the third and he slowly mm. goes back into that night shot again. So there's a lot of little varieties that are very subtle here. For that reason, um, I'm going to give it an 8. Yeah, I'm going to give it an 8 as well. Um, there's a... So now I'm the stick in the mud, am I? No, you're not. <laughs> no, you have no. a valid opinion. You oh. do. We're all allowed to have our opinions, Parry, even if they're wrong. But oh. what... Uh, yeah, I feel that there is a bit missing from this episode. The m- missing face mask, the destruction of Edward overall, and, of course, the special effects of the rain. But we understand on how... At the time, they probably were really afraid of 
getting the models wet in mm, actually any way. yeah when we head into season three and we actually get to do see those water effects mm. um yeah we'll go into why they were so afraid about um yeah getting their models wet yes we say. Mm. certainly but that brings us to the end of episode 15? Episode 15. Episode okay. 15. Wow. We're going good. Oh, yeah. So, of course, we've got episode 16 coming up next, which will be our final look at season two. Yes. And the episodes we'll be looking at on that occasion are Ghost Train, Woolly Bear, and Thomas and the Missing Christmas Tree. So we return back to Farquhar Branch Line, only to return again to Tidmouth Sheds. Yes. And that would be the end of season two of Right on Track. What a season it's been so far. I know. It's been an absolutely wonderful season. You know, looking back on it, I'm actually surprised not just at how many episodes I've enjoyed, but how many I consider to be classic episodes. There are some cult classics in here. Mm, in definitely. Thomas, I, 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 I'll, I'll argue this later, but I've got a very high opinion of series two. Um, but, yeah, I don't, this is really good. So, that was us covering... Yes, the episode we covered today, as a reminder, were The Diseasel, Wrong Road and Edward's Exploit all adapted from Reverend Audrey's book, Mainline Engines. And... Fantastic. Yeah, we encourage you to reach out to us. Let us know your thoughts on the podcast, your thoughts on the episode, your various ratings. Uh, or just chat with us, you know. Just, uh, tell us about Thomas. Yeah. Mm. I, we appreciate any all comments from you. You can say that you don't like the voice of Connor and I'll leave. But no, any, I'm you. sorry, but anyone who doesn't like your voice is officially banned from listening to us. Oh, they're, no, they're, I no, put on no, a decree. No, 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 no. Yes. I, I'm open to anyone listening. They just need to keep up with me and deal with it. <laughs> but if you do want to say those horrible things about me or all those nice things about the rest of the show, uh, you can listen to us and join us on our various social medias, which is Twitter at OnTrackThomas. Facebook is facebook.com forward slash right on track Thomas podcast. And Instagram is denim. TTTE underscore right on track if you're a hipster. And if you want to email us, it's right on track Thomas at gmail.com. Yes. But this has been episode 15 of Right on Track. We'll see you next time. I'm still Connor. I'm still Parry. I'm still denim. And we'll see you next time. Farewell. Adios.